0: Not Sorry Productions. Hi, I'm Vanessa Zoltan, and welcome to this week's episode of Hot and Bothered. This week, we're calling the episode Monogamy Isn't Working. Julia, thank God, is finally at the dentist, so this week, I'll be talking about love at first sight and answering another love advice question that nobody asked us with the senior producer of a little podcast that you might have heard of called 99% Invisible. Her name is Katie Mingle. Later on, we'll be joined by Katie's mom, Pam, to get some of the best advice out there, mom advice. And Pam isn't just Katie's mom. She also happens to be a historical romance writer. We heard about Pam's work through an amazing Twitter thread Katie published a few months ago. In short, what Katie shared was that her mom started writing romance novels a few years ago. She used to be a fifth grade teacher, and when she retired, she decided that she wanted to write. Katie at first was really embarrassed by this. She found romance to be a silly genre. But Katie then says, quote, I had the whole thing wrong. It will come as absolutely no surprise to the people who write and read romance, but the Fabio novels are not even the tip of the iceberg of what this genre has to offer. Katie then goes on to share that her mom, Pam, was feeling discouraged because Pam wasn't finding the readership that she wanted, and Katie was asking for encouragement for her mom to keep on writing. I was inspired by that Twitter thread to pick up one of Pam's books, and she's fantastic. Today, we'll see if we can help convince Pam to keep writing, and we'll expect you all to vote as to who the cuter mother-daughter pair is, Katie and her mom, Pam, or me and my mom, Nikki. Better be me, guys. Hi, Katie. Hi. So Katie, we are a big fan of 99% Invisible, so we knew who you were. And then you had this really beautiful Twitter thread about your mom and about romance novels. And so I was wondering if you could just tell our listeners a little bit about what you said there and about your mom as a romance writer.
2: So I had been in um, Utah visiting my parents and um, I was with my girlfriend and we were just, um, yeah, we were like, hanging out with them for kind of like a long weekend. And my mom on the last night started talking about her writing and kind of how discouraged she was feeling about it. My mom does not talk about herself that much. And so it feels like a big deal when she does. And and I hadn't asked about her writing in a while. I think I kind of knew she was feeling discouraged about it. And maybe I was sort of avoiding that conversation a little bit. But we started talking about it and yeah, I just felt so like almost like devastated on like an irrational level, like no need to be like that devastated, like for my mom. But I did feel just like so devastated for her that she was like thinking about giving up on this thing that has been so good for her, I think, um, after you retire, just to have something that you are excited about and feel passionate about and like puts meaning in your life, you know, um, I think has just been so good for her. So, yeah, I just felt like, ah, oh, what could I possibly do to like <laughs> fix this? And like the only thing I felt I had some access to was Twitter. And so I just tried to write a thread that could, yeah, that could kind of tell a little story about like my own realizing romance is amazing and
0: great and like empowering and feminist. Um, Well, I, I mean, what I love about it is that, I guess I love three things about it. One is that you express your original doubts about romance as a genre. Yeah. You say what, you know, I, what I felt before I became a romance reader and what I think mm-hmm. sort of mainstream, yeah. you know, society thinks about romance, which is that it's like cliche and dumb. Yeah. And then you got invited into reading romance. And as you just said, like you loved it and realized that it's actually something very different than what mainstream media or the patriarchy <laughs> wants people
2: to believe that it yeah. is. I mean, I think I was just doing that like classic thing that you're not supposed to do, which is... Judge a book by its cover. The classic romance cover is sort of like this muscle-bound guy, sort of like embracing a woman who's like sort of in a like a swoony pose. And like I didn't think like, oh yeah, like feminism, you know, like based, <laughs> like based on those covers, but actually I think like the stories at least the ones in my experience and definitely my mom's. And I don't, I still don't have that much experience reading uh, romance, but um, you know, like the woman is like always the hero of her own story and it's, it's, it's all about her and she sort of saves herself in the end and often like saves, if it's a man, you know, like saves him and yeah. And there's just like all kinds of different romances. There's queer romances. And so yeah, my my sort of idea of them I think was based on this like misunderstanding of what of what they were kind of based on some covers that I had
0: seen. It's a strange world the covers of romance novels.
2: Yeah, and I think there's probably good arguments to be made for keeping them. But yeah, for me like they they made me think that the stories inside were something that that they're not. Yeah.
0: Well, The third thing I loved so much about your Twitter um, rant, no, thread, (laughs) it was not a rant. (laughs) The third thing that I loved about your Twitter thread was um, how you were talking about how good the writing process was for your mom Mm. and just like how healthy and wonderful the community has been Mm -hmm. and how writing romance was this really powerful force in your mom's life. And so I was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit more about that. So she was a school teacher
2: and, you know, she retired from that. And then to just have something to bring meaning into her life and, you know, she sort of just set this goal of like, I'm going to get a book published and she, it took, it took so long, but she did it. Then I think, yeah, it's just been a really welcoming community of women, mostly women um, supporting each other in, in this writing and it seems like a very competitive field that has managed to kind of maintain a real sense of community inside of it. And, and yeah, people really supporting each other. And that, yeah, that was the other thing that I was like, kind of like, oh my God. Yeah. This is like a, an amazing like sisterhood. (laughs) Um, Just like all the ways that, that romance is feminist, like whether it conceives of itself that way or not, like it feels like there's just all these ways that it is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So Katie, would you be willing to try to answer a love advice question for me? We prefer it if you have no qualifications.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I can definitely try.
0: (laughs) Okay. So the subject to the question is, do you believe in love at first sight? I am a female in my 20s who has been in a serious relationship with the same guy for around 10 years. We've been living together for quite a while. I love him. He is a great guy, and we get along well. Anyway, I recently met someone who has managed to completely overtake my thoughts and desires. Mm -hmm. I mean, the minute I saw him, I wanted to be with him. Mm -hmm. I've never felt this way before about essentially a stranger, and everything I find out about him just makes the attraction stronger. He's exceedingly smart, for example, Mm -hmm. and we share a great deal of interests. He's in a relationship that I think is fairly serious. He never talks about her around me. I think he may be at least slightly interested in me based on body language and a few giveaways. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, I know. (laughs) But I can't be sure, and I'm pretty shy. Mm -hmm. He's shy around me, too. I feel like I will seriously regret if I don't say anything to him, but I also don't want to blow this other relationship with a guy I know I care about. Help. Mm-hmm. I am wondering what you think about the concept of love at first sight.
2: I... I think I believe in love at first conversation. I'm not sure about first sight, but I've personally have experienced love at like first kind of meeting, like first, like, we're talking to each other.
0: And has that love lasted? Uh, yeah. I mean,
2: it lasted you know, like a full kind of like infatuated year, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it actually didn't turn into anything like very sustainable. But I think it could have. We were both just like young, you know? Yeah. I think it's more often infatuation at first sight and that you should question it pretty hard if you feel it. I haven't felt that type of thing since I was pretty young and it feels related to being young. um, It feels like it's wrapped up in perceiving something in someone else that you see as completely different, like made up of just like different molecules than like what you're made up of. And therefore, like so exciting to you. And that, Yeah, it usually kind of ends up, in my experience, feeling more like infatuation and not like something that is, can like blossom into like sustainable love. I think there's exceptions to that, Um, but I definitely think you should question it. And if this person is in a relationship, you should just like tamp it down because, yeah, you should just respect their relationship. And I have not always done that. (laughs) So, uh, but I think that's what I should have done. Do as I say, not
0: as I do. Yes. Yeah. It's hard to ignore those feelings though. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm like super not judging this person. I think that those feelings are so real and strong. I just also think that they're really dangerous. Yeah. I mean, and I come from a particular set of biases in which I do not trust men and think that, 99% of men want to rape and murder me. So I'm like, you don't know anything about him. Mm. This other guy, you've been with him for 10 years and Mm -hmm. he hasn't murdered you yet. (laughs) Stay with the definite not murderer. Also, she's young. She's in her 20s and has been in a relationship with a guy for 10 years. So like maybe this attraction is telling her that like she doesn't want to just be with one guy for her whole life. You know, I think that it's important to pay attention to these feelings. But yeah, like be curious about the feelings themselves, and like
2: where are they coming from, and why, you know, why are they so strong? Because it's it's most likely not based on like this person is like the ultimate right person for me, right? Um,
0: In my opinion,
2: I mean, yeah, I I have less of the like this person is gonna rape and murder me, <laughs> um, so but yeah. I, I definitely think she should be very—she um, should interrogate those feelings a bit and try to figure out where they're coming from.
0: Yeah. My problem with the idea of love at first sight is that if it's, quote-unquote, real love at first sight, it seems to hinge on this belief of the possibility of a soulmate. Mm-hmm. And I just, like—I really resist that idea um, mm-hmm. for— theological reasons, um, for, I'd like to think humility reasons, like, I, I think that I could meet my soulmate and not recognize them, and, like, I don't want to think that that's possible, Mm -hmm. or I think it's really unfair that some people find their soulmates and other people don't, and, like, I don't want to believe in that world. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you think the idea of love at first sight has to be tied to this idea of soulmates.
2: Um... Not necessarily, although people who experience love at first sight are probably the same type of person that believes in soulmates. I think that you could experience a feeling of love at first sight with like multiple people over the course of your life. And so I don't know if soulmate necessarily means like that there's just one. Um, But I think that to me, it's just more... It just has—I think it just has so much to do with yourself and what you think is kind of, like, lacking in you Mm. that you end up putting, like, so much weight and worth onto another person kind of, like, immediately. And that's why, like, I think it tends to happen more when you're young because you don't really know who you are yet and, and, like, you feel a lot of insecurity and so if you see someone who sort of embodies, like, all the things that you find attractive in the world at a time when you don't feel that stuff, I think it's, like, very, very powerful. I don't know if I think it has to hinge on, on the idea
0: of a soulmate. The one kind of love at first sight that I am most interested in is a parent's love at first sight of their child. Mm and i i like i'm trying to interrogate within myself what i think the difference is do you feel like you n- understand like the answer to that not really i guess i just think that love is a commitment
2: mm. and
0: so an adult can commit to a child entirely a parent's love for a child is not con- is unconditional uh-huh. and therefore is not contingent on who they turn out being and so it is completely a faith based love. Yeah. Whereas partnership, as we've currently have it constructed in sort of like liberal America, is at least initially conditional, right? Yeah. Like if your child is a murderer, you still love them if you're their <laughs> parent. But if your new partner is a murderer you break up with them true so yeah hopefully (laughs) yeah um well I thought that a perfect person to talk to about romance writing as a as a tool for goodness in the world Mm -hmm. and a parent's love for a child and just love in general would Mm be your mom yeah I mean, she's great. She's great to talk to about a lot of things. Um, so is now a good time for us to call your mom and add her into the conversation? Yeah, let's call my mom. I didn't call her this weekend. So. <laughs> well, good. You guys should catch up. Yeah. Yeah. So she, she's probably wondering why. <laughs> I'm wondering why, Katie. So we are lucky enough to now be joined by Katie's mom and the great romance writer, Pam Mingle. Pam, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for inviting me. Just so you know, your daughter's tweet got me to buy one of your books. I I hadn't heard of you, and now I have, and love your writing. So thank you, Katie, for putting your mom on my radar. Yes, that was the whole point.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for buying the book and reading it. That's great.
0: So, Pam, you're Katie and I were just talking about, well, A, that she's a bad daughter because she didn't call you this weekend, but she's very sorry. <laughs> but the other thing that Katie and I were talking about was the idea of love at first sight. And we were talking about the difference of love at first sight romantically and love at first sight as a mom sort of meeting your child for the first time.
1: Yeah, well, let's, let's start with love at first sight in general, and I kind of laughingly and I'm sure you've heard this before, thought it's more like lust at first sight. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, you know, because it's completely based on the physical appearance. Um, but I wouldn't completely rule it out, but I would guess I would call it more attraction at first sight. You know, there's something there and maybe looks certainly are part of it, but it could be uh, someone's expression, someone's, you know, maybe the look in their eye or their smile or... Their posture. It, it could be so many things. so I, I I guess I believe in it to that extent. But I also think, boy, love at first sight kind of goes it can go south really fast if you don't really like the person, you know, after that initial meeting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you think that you have to like someone in order to love them? I do. Yeah, I do think that, yeah, that's why. I- I'm just like, love at first sight. No, it's interest at first sight. And then it either works out. I just think it's it's Monday morning quarterbacking. It's saying Uh I knew the first moment I saw them, but only because, you know, it turned out well 30 years later. Yes, right. Exactly. You already know how it ended up. Right. But otherwise, you're like, oh, I I was really attracted to him when I first met him, but it turns out that he was a jerk, right? Like we just forget that we thought we loved at first sight.
1: I do think that with your children, I I think you can love your children without liking them. And I I certainly don't feel that way about Katie. (laughs) I I like and love Katie. (laughs) But I think in some... Thank you for the clarification. (laughs) I think in some cases there are, you know, things... Children can do some, and I'm talking about like worst case scenarios, they can do some horrible things and their parents still love them. That's, as I said, it's not the case with Katie, but um, that can certainly happen. I've been a perfect angel. She's been the perfect daughter. There's no doubt about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she was, but so you can say that this is too personal of a question and you don't want to answer it, but did you love Katie at first sight? Well, I, I did. I mean, I think you know, you carry
1: this child in your womb for nine months and you're so excited about their arrival. And, um, I think I was so, uh, drained by the time Katie made her appearance that (laughs) I was kind of emotionally overwrought at that point. And my main emotion was relief (laughs) and, and, and gratitude that she was born and she was okay. And we were both okay. And, and yeah, I mean, over the first few weeks, I think that bond just grows stronger and stronger. And I I always joke about, I think I even put it into one of my books, that I always remember the first time she smiled at me. And then it was, I think it was then that I just thought, oh, wow, I'm so in love with this kid, you know. Yeah. Um, hmm. It was after I was nursing her and I think I had burped her and I was holding her and she just looked up at me and smiled this big gummy smile and that that was that was it,
0: Katie, do you remember that as fondly as your mom does? <laughs> <laughs> you know, somewhere like deep down inside, probably mm-hmm. yeah, the first time you smiled at your mom. But I think that that i I mean that story is so beautiful. I think it encapsulates all of the. Complexities of love, right? That you loved her when she first arrived, but also there were other feelings that were more overwhelming, and it was actually getting to know her. Mm -hmm. And that I love the distinction you made that you can love your child without liking your child. Mm -hmm. I don't think
1: that's true for relationships with partners so much. Um, I mean, I'm sure people would disagree with that, but I think to have a long term, lasting relationship with a partner, you have to like that person as well as love them.
0: I agree. Yeah, yeah, Katie, do you have anything to add to that? Well, I definitely think you come across
2: couples who have been together for, like, you know, a long time who don't seem to like each other that much. And I don't think they're— I also don't think they're, like, in love with each other. But there's something— there's some kind of, like, care that's there, like some bond. But yeah, for the most part, I would agree that, like, love and, like— Need to go together. Yeah.
0: I can imagine falling out of like with someone and still loving them and still wanting to be with them, Mm -hmm. of like a sense of commitment and a sense of like, we've shared a life together. You're the person who I want to take care of, and you're the person who I want taking care of me. Like, we know each other that well. Mm -hmm. But I obviously think that that's a spectrum. And
1: I think that definitely happens. I mean, especially. I have many friends who've been married 40 years or more, and I think that that is the case with some of them. Not naming any names here, but.
2: <laughs> and I definitely think you can be attracted to someone without really liking them. That feels like it happens a lot. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I agree with that, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, So, Pam, do you feel up to answering a Reddit love advice question on this theme of love at first sight? Um, Sure. Great. So, okay. So the headline of the question is, do you believe in love at first sight? And the question is, I am a female in my 20s who has been in a serious relationship. I feel like I will seriously regret if I don't say anything to him, but I also don't want to blow this other relationship with a guy I know I care about. Help. Help. So, Pam, what what would you say to this young woman? Well, I would say
1: first she should get out of her current relationship because if she's that attracted to somebody else, it seems to me it's not going to work out in the long run. And then she could approach the other guy. It, It somehow seems really wrong to you know, kind of say, oh, I'm going to keep this relationship that I've been in for 10 years as a backup. (laughs) And just in case this new guy doesn't really like me the way I like him and isn't really interested in having a relationship with me. That just seems wrong to me. So that would be my advice. Get out of the relationship you're in and then pursue the other one.
0: Moms are brilliant. This is why we should only talk to moms. But I
2: disagree. (laughs) Like,
0: oh. It
2: seems too soon to just, like, get out of the other relationship. Like, I think the first thing to do is to talk to the current person about the feelings that are coming up. And then, like, think about maybe on your own and also together, think about, like, why some of those feelings could be coming up. Because, like, it just feels like, yeah, like, you've been in a relationship, mom— With dad for over 40 years. But I feel like to not ever have feelings for another person feels hard and like that you would need to be able to like talk about those feelings if they came up and not just like jump out of the relationship.
1: Well, yeah, you have a point. So you're saying talk to the person that you're in the long term relationship with about all this before you make a decision.
2: Yeah. And like maybe it leads to, Oh, like we're both unhappy and we're breaking up. Or maybe it leads to like there's something that's been missing for us and we need to work on it together. And like uh uh-huh. that could like end up being a good thing. Like you could maybe you could like rediscover some things with each other that have been asleep for a
0: while. Yeah, that's yeah, those are good points. But I'd like have to, to agree. To cut the baby in half a little bit, I think that <laughs> To Pam's point, I think that that question is a good gut check question, right? Like, am I am I willing to walk away from my relationship for this? Yeah. And if the answer is no, then I think, Katie, your then your question, I think, is exactly right of like, let's talk about this because I'm having these really strong feelings. But I love your point, Pam, that it seems wrong to have the breakup with her current boyfriend be contingent on whether or not. The yeah. new guy will say yes or no. Like, that should not be what decides whether a 10-year relationship stays together. I
1: agree. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I think maybe Katie, though, has a point in saying, hash this through with your partner first and see what can be salvaged. You know, if anything, if you tell, th- tell that person how you feel and that you're having these feelings for someone else and then decide mutually, I suppose, although— these things, it's hard for these things to be mutual. But um, I guess if you approach it that way, then I think, you know, you're not really then saying, oh, here's my guy on the side that I'm hanging on to or my person on the side. So that makes more sense.
2: Yeah. And I don't know, like I, now I live in, you know, the San Francisco Bay Area where like everyone is in an open relationship. And so who knows? Like, they might work out a situation where they could both like explore some feelings with other people.
0: Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm coming at it from a different
2: perspective because (laughs) from
1: my perspective is a, you know, a long marriage and um, a long, happy marriage. So yeah, that's kind of, no, no.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, like I'm, I'm pretty traditional when it comes to monogamy, but yeah, like I'm starting to feel like, yeah, like I'm very traditional and I'm very like prude in a certain way compared to certainly other people in this area of the country where I live. And also just like generationally, people just seem so open to, to like, polyamory in a way that that I'm not totally, but I'm trying to think about it more.
1: Yeah. And are you seeing that among hetero uh, people, straight people, as well as um, LGBTQ, et cetera, people?
2: Yes. Um, I see it in straight couples, in queer couples. Like, um, I think I think it has to do with where I live Yeah, and, like, younger people, I think, are just, like, more interested in in the idea.
1: Yeah, right. That, like— I I would think youth would be a factor there.
2: Well, just that, like, monogamy isn't working for, like, a lot of people. Uh Uh-huh. And it, like, works really well for people who—that don't really, like, struggle within that kind of, like, paradigm. But obviously, like, a lot of marriages are ending in divorces, and so people are, like— starting to look at like, well, what can we do? Is there a way to to make this different? And I think that's like one of the things people are looking
0: at. So I just have one more question for you, Pam, which is Katie mentioned that you were deciding whether or not to keep writing. And I am wondering if you have what your current thoughts are if you're going to keep writing romance novels.
1: Well, I'm Starting a new one. So I guess the answer (laughs) for right now is yes, I am going to continue. And this whole, uh, you know, the whole thing with the Twitter thread and that has been really encouraging and that has found me new readers. And so I think that has helped. It's always good to find new readers and a new audience. And so I've been encouraged by that. So yeah, I'm going to gonna hang in there for a while and, and work on a new book and another book in the Spies
0: in Love series, and um, we'll see how it goes. I'm so excited. <laughs> I don't know if you could tell by my yay, but something good came from Twitter. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yay. <laughs> Katie, before we let your mom go, is there anything that you want to update her about um, from your weekend? <laughs> Yeah. Oh,
2: what did you goodness. do over the weekend,
0: Katie? Mm,
2: what did I do? Well, we had a friend in town, and so that's sort of why the weekend got away from from me. It was just like I feel like I didn't really get anything done that I should have gotten done, and I mostly just hung out with with this friend that was around.
1: Well, that's okay
0: <laughs> Well, Katie, thank you so much for tweeting about your mom and for taking the time to talk to us today. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Thanks so much, Pam. You're very welcome. Um, And I'm really glad you're going to keep writing. Oh, thank you. Me too, me too. So everybody go out and buy Mistress Spy by Pam Mingle. I can personally recommend it and it will get you into all the Pam Mingle books. This has been Monogamy Isn't Working an episode of Hot and Bothered. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TheRomPod. Leave us a review on iTunes. It helps people find us. We are a co-production of Not Sorry Productions and Spoke Media, executive produced by me, Vanessa Zoltan, and Ariana Nettleman. Special thanks this week to Katie and Pam Mingle. Our Reddit question was chosen this week by the amazing Chelsea Urson, who also edited us to make us sound like our smartest versions of ourselves. Our production team is Chelsea Urson, Julia Argy, Bridget Goggin, Nora Murphy, Jeannelle Kastner, Caroline Hamilton, Jenna Hannum, Will Short, and Jonathan Lobos. Our music is from First Com. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you